0: welcome to our podcast depends on the topic each week we have a different topic the topic is chosen by the host for the week we rotate who the host is that host will pick the topic and they'll guide us through the discussion picking the ground for that week uh my name is taylor and i have with me john say hi john hello chris hello and rob hey and this week rob's gonna take over hosting, and I wish I could tell you what this episode is going to entail, but that just
1: depends on the topic.
0: So, what are we talking about, Rob? All right, so this week we're going to be talking
2: about camping. Um, a few of us are going to be going camping soon uh, as we live kind of close together <clears throat> and we want to go out and enjoy the, uh, the cool weather here in December in the southeast. Um, so I just wanted to go through a couple different things uh, pertaining to camping um, and what we'll just go ahead and do is I have several questions, probably about like seven questions that I'll be asking uh, your opinion on um, or to you know, explain a certain aspect of camping or tell a story about camping and then uh, we'll go in the order of John, Chris, and then Taylor and then I'll go ahead and give my uh, little expletive there. So the first thing that I'm going to go ahead and ask you uh, is what is your favorite camping story or experience?
3: So go ahead, John. Favorite camping story experience. That's a good one. It's been a long time since I actually went legitimate camping. I don't really count the National Guard camping as camping. because That's lame stuff and not really fun. I agree. <laughs> so... I'm just trying to remember here. I know that in the past, I've gone on a camping trip. I think I have one. It, back when we lived in Alaska, when I was about, I'd say around eight or nine, I went with my dad to a campground because in Alaska, well, still still today, my dad absolutely loves to fish. Mm-hmm. I, I, one hundred percent of the time. If he in fact he used to do what I call marathon fishing, where he just fishes throughout the night and day. Almost twenty four seven.
0: Oh I don't know. What, what style of fishing?
3: Uh salmon fishing. Fly fishing is what he used to do a lot. Nice. And in I, Alaska, I can do it but in Alaska. he
2: still camps or camps, excuse me, fishes all the time down in Florida because um my brother in law goes fishing with him and it's apparently a blast. They like catch all sorts of little sharks and stuff in the Tampa Bay. Good times.
3: Yes. He still does fishing. In fact, actually, well, he's hunting right now, but I'm sure he's got some fishing thrown in there. Nice. And so we went to this campground and we set up our little tent and went down to the creek, fish for a few hours, go back to the tent, go back to the tent and I brought with me... I don't remember if you... I can't remember the name of the, the style of the book. But they took these famous stories like Ivanhoe and Robin Hood. And condensed them into like kid style versions with like pictures. Yep, I know exactly so, what you're talking about. Yeah, so I had Ivanhoe with me. So I'd read that while I was in a tent and eating Pop-Tarts. <laughs> so Very it's nothing... Cool. Uh, nothing too crazy. And I remember there was... One time at that camping spot, we, we left here with Dairy Queen, and it was a full camping spot, like, there was no parking spaces or anything. So, we acquired one of those traffic cones and stuck it in our space, so it looked like it was blocked off. And then we went to Dairy Queen, came back, and it was our spot was still there. So, we just moved the, the cone out of the way and parked right in. So, no problem nice. there.
2: And what what time of the year was it when you were going camping in Alaska? Because I, I uh, imagine uh, experiences would vary depending on that.
3: <laughs> yes, yes, it would. It it was summertime, so that was another neat thing too. Having almost uh, the twenty four hours of light.
2: Oh wow, I feel like that would be really difficult to go camping because that's. I mean, we might get to this later, but I feel like one of the cool things about camping to me is uh, kind of your body. I feel like just kind of sinks with the natural. Um, I don't know, Taylor, we've talked about this before. What what would it be considered like the rhythm of the sun, basically? Like when the sun goes down, you start getting tired, you go to sleep a lot earlier, and then you end up waking up a lot earlier too, because the sun comes up early. So
0: Circadian? Um, I guess that's what it is. Circadian rhythm, rhythm or circadian cycle rhythm. Yeah. yeah, one of those.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It it's definitely took some use to. I kinda of go on a tangent here, but when we first moved there, We'd never had this experience of all the sunlight. It was the middle of summer, too. So we get to the airport, and it's like eight o'clock at night, still bright. I'm like, oh my gosh, why are we here? What have we got ourselves into? <laughs> and yeah. then we go to the on base housing for really temporary housing, the hotel type thing. And most of the, I know the houses that we stayed in had these thick blinds or, or shades you could put down. And we're just laying there, just trying to sleep. And all of a sudden we hear shouting and we just peek outside. It's a bunch of guys playing volleyball. We look at the time. It's 12 a.m. And it's still light outside. It's like, why?
0: Yeah, that would be weird. (laughs) Yeah. That's an interesting thing. I I never thought of like having, I mean, everybody knows that Alaska, they have daylight all through the summer and then, you know, a lot of nighttime in the winter, but having those thick, heavy shades over the windows, it, when you say that, it's like, oh well, of course they do, but I would have never thought of that—that that those would be there to help you simulate, you know, get the get the real dark to be able to sleep. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah.
3: So it, it it takes some time getting used to the the perpetual daylight and to Taylor's Point in the winter time. It gets dark, and it gets dark real fast.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, I don't doubt it.
3: Well, yeah, Will. So- Anything that's else kind for of my
2: camping from that, or?
3: No, I think, I know it's just kind of short and sweet, but I, I don't really have, I can't remember too many, you know, good camping things, like, I don't know, I'm sure there's a few, but I just don't remember them.
2: Yeah, but oh, I gotcha.
3: I, I think it's the one that's, that stands out the most, you know, camping in the summer with my dad and going fishing. Very cool.
2: Well, moving on to Chris, I think is who I said
3: was going to be next. Yeah. Um,
2: do you have any favorite camping stories or experiences?
4: Yeah, yeah. So, um I've been camping a lot. I got a lot of um fun camping memories, but one that came to mind immediately was uh early 2003. I was a, a Boy Scout and I was um one of only two in my troop that wanted to do a more advanced like backpacking kind of hike on a on a particular uh like spring, I think is when it was. So one of the scoutmasters was like, "All right, hey, I'll I'll take the two of them on like a three day backpacking trip." Or I think it's three days, um, and we were gonna cover a certain amount of miles. And then we we were the only ones who had like really trained for it to do it. So it was just the two of us and the one scoutmaster. We went to Mount Mitchell, uh, which is the tallest peak east of the Mississippi in the United States. Uh, you could pretty much drive all the way to the top, so it's not like we were we weren't like scaling a peak um it's like a touristy kind of park place there but there's um it's on it's in the Appalachians and there's a lot of uh, trails along those ridges there so we did all of our backpacking along the ridges over at, at Mount Mitchell um so two of us teenagers and the scoutmaster well the first day we did a whole bunch of hiking one direction along the ridge and we i think we went probably about we did like 12 miles a day which isn't crazy but uh it's it wasn't easy and then we back, you know, we we had our backpacking tents, and and we had done all our food and all that. We so um, it was a cool experience for a a young teenager to go do. Um, but the first night we went about twelve miles one direction, and we um, set up camp. And on the way, basically we went back towards uh, where we started on the second day, but a little bit further, and we camped kind of near where we started that day. So it was like about another twelve miles. Uh, But we found a completely different um, camping spot, and uh, a lot of of firsts on that trip that were pretty neat, the things that you wouldn't normally get to do with the Boy Scouts, but it was just the three of us, uh, and the one Scoutmaster, he let us get away with doing a lot of fun stuff that I won't really get into, but um, at one point, this was, like, 2003, so, like, GPS, handheld GPSs were still kind of getting big, like, some people had them for geocaching, but most people didn't really, you know, use them for that kind of stuff yet, and uh, it was kind of, uh, you know, before smartphones and stuff, so like avid outdoor people might have a handheld GPS, so it was kind of a new thing. And uh, our Scoutmaster had one, and he, we were using it uh, as we went along for different things. Well, he he lost it at some point on that second day, and we have no idea, like, where he lost it. Um, but we remember, so, you know, as you're hiking along these trails, you know, you're going along ridges and stuff, and it gets skinny. Um, but you'll you'll pass people, so you'll like go off to the side and let people go, and and vice versa, and you'll talk as you go by because you guys are you know ten twelve miles from the nearest anything. And it's kind of cool we'll run into people. Well, we we went past this one person who was just like a professional ultra hiker kind of kind of person, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. and they just they we used to opposite high whatever. They kept going. They were going the opposite direction, like the way we camped originally, like twelve miles away, and. Then we, we got to our place, we set up camp, and then it was like there that he realized that, oh, crap, I lost my GPS, whatever. Well, <laughs> um, we're setting up our tents, and later, like later that evening, we're setting up our tents, and that ultra hiker person comes walking by, and... They're like, oh, hey, it's you guys. And we were talking for a little bit. And they're like, yeah. So how how'd your stuff go? And we're talking to this guy. He's like, yeah, you know, I walked the other direction. I, I've done about like twenty six, twenty seven miles today. And We're like, what? Holy crap! And, uh, and he's like, well, how about you guys? I'm like, yeah, well, we made it over here. We set up camp. We, you know, we did this, we did that. Oh, I lost my GPS. So he's like, wouldn't happen to look like this, would it? <laughs> this dude. Nice. This dude had backpacked like. Over almost thirty miles one day and just happened to have found our stuff and then also happened to walk past both of our campsites in the same day and like it was it was a pretty cool th- like just fun memory I have uh about from camping. So
2: Very cool. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I didn't even interestingly enough, I didn't even know about Mount Mitchell. I had to Google that and, and see when you said it was the highest point east of the Mississippi. That's uh Elevation of six thousand six hundred and eighty-four feet. That is a must-visit for me now.
4: Yeah, and it's you like literally you can drive all the way up to the top of it. It's very. It's not like you have to climb anything. It's very touristy. Yeah, um, but there's a lot no, of good hiking, cool. camping near there.
2: Very cool. Um, well,
4: do you have anything else, or do you want to move on to Taylor? Oh no, that's that's it for my my for, my memory there.
0: All right, Taylor, what's yours? <clears throat> uh, it's a favorite camping story got a lot of great ones and I'm cycling through them in my head, trying to pick, um, I'm going to go with cold weather camping. Cold weather camping is like generally my favorite. Like I like a, a lot of different types of camping for a lot of different reasons, but cold weather camping has this like formative special place in my heart, especially if there's snow, because you're fighting against the elements You just doing everyday tasks, getting dressed, starting a fire, eating, all that stuff has like an added layer of uh, challenge because it's so cold. So when I was 13 or 14, probably in Boy Scouts too, and actually Chris was on this uh, camping trip with me, we were in illinois and we camped over i think it was in missouri but it was a cold weather one and we got out to the site and it was in like a little valley with a big field that we were camping in and the field had flooded and then froze so to even start a fire you had to like break up the ice and like clear a spot down to the ground Damn. so that it, otherwise the fire would just melt the ice and put the fire out and everybody like was cold the whole time and the camping trip consisted of like a hike or two. And other than that, pretty much just being there. But it was awesome because you had all these extra challenges and it was so cold and trying to keep everything dry and like learn how to use your equipment correctly to stay dry and warm. And there's this moment that I remember where I was by myself sitting in my camp chair a little bit away from the fire and the sky was completely clouded over. And there's like this little valley and all our little tents set up and boy Scouts kind of roaming around, you know, doing boy scout things, whittling or maybe tending to the fire, or getting food ready for everybody or whatever. And this light snow started falling and I couldn't hear anything because the snow was like dampening the sound and it was just like one of the most peaceful calm moments and I loved it. And it was in the middle of all these like unique, not like really difficult challenges, but really unique challenges trying to figure out how to do camp stuff in the snow and the cold and hanging out with friends. And was, this is the era where Chris and I became best friends that kind of stuff. And it was just a special, special camping trip for me. And it was made a lot more interesting because everything was so cold. You know, you're like everywhere you walk around, you're like, bringing your arms inside your coat and like tucking up and just letting your sleeves flop around because your arms get too cold if they're stuck out there. Everyone's walking back to the fire every chance they get. We're taking turns going out, gathering firewood so we can keep this, you know, roaring fire going to keep us all sane, and have fun. And it was, it was, it was that camping trip, but that moment in particular, there's nothing real dramatic about it, but it was just a really calm, special formative camping moment for me. So cold weather camping in Missouri when I was, I don't know, somewhere between 14 and 16, I guess.
2: Yeah, no, I definitely, definitely agree about cold weather camping, uh, which I will talk more about as this, uh, this episode goes on and some of the other, uh, questions I'll have for you guys. Um, but I guess leading into mine, um, I'm going to do two, but like rocket fast round. Uh, both are cold weather camping experiences. One was my first, I would say probably my first ever camping experience, um, which was with a church group when I was in middle school. Uh, I lived in, um, South central Pennsylvania, uh, for my, you know, from 1999 to about 2009. Um, when I was going through grade school and high school and whatnot. And, uh, so we went with a church group over to the western side of Pennsylvania, right by Lake Erie, in the in the winter time. Um, so we're like setting up camp while the snow is falling. It was awesome. Like 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 you were saying, just the sounds are different. Uh, you know, just the whole primitive nature of it, keeping the fire going. And and this group, all they really liked to do was sit around a fire and eat. So, and I, we'll talk more about that in a little bit here. Uh, but there was a certain camping food that I learned to love and still do as often as possible in camping nowadays. Uh, and then the other other thing from that trip that really stands out to me uh, was I fell prey to a snipe hunt, which if you don't know what that <laughs> is, just Google it. Um, but, uh, you know, I was all, all excited about it. They hyped us up and we went on it and it was, uh, like I said, just Google it if you don't know what a snipe it- hunt is.
3: Did you find anything, Robbie? When you went snipe we, hunting? we may
2: have. We may have. It depends on your Google, mm. your Google search. Um, <laughs> so and then the other one, again, Rocket Round, and then we'll get good on to the next topic, actually was a camping trip that Taylor was present on, and it was actually just the two of us, um, which I'm sure mm. you remember. Uh, <laughs> That's no, just we, really adorable. We were – when we lived in Virginia uh, – I, I don't know
0: what Chris is – I don't know what Chris is saying because Chris was my tent mate in the last story that I told. So whatever. Yeah,
3: good to <laughs> no, but we uh... you three are just too precious for words.
2: <laughs> so without going into too much detail, because uh, you know, we were, you know, t- over 21 and could enjoy the, uh, the, the adult Libations. beverages. Yeah. But we essentially took a canoe upstream on the James river in Virginia and in what I think it was like January or February time frame, so it was like freezing cold. His dog was trying to like I think like maliciously was trying to flip the canoe over to get us soaked. Um, we were we camped on an island in the middle of the James River, like literally when I say an island, literally like a giant rock. Um, and it was freezing cold. And at one point, not going to go into the details of it, I had to cut a hole in my tent to get out in the middle of the night to use the restroom. And woke up the next morning with my uh, my hat like literally with ice on it because of how cold it was that night. Uh, But, yeah, so all that to say, cold weather camping for the win. Uh, Moving on to the next point of discussion and back to John, which I guess might be a little bit more difficult for you with having a little bit less camping experience, which we'll be fixing here soon. Um, But what are some uh, must-have items that you always bring with you on camping trips? A tent and a sleeping bag. Okay, do you have any – so those kind of – well, I I would say those go without saying, but for some people, uh, <laughs> oh, that yeah, actually yeah, doesn't yeah, go yeah. without saying. Do you, so, camp in a sleeping bag, got it, or tent in a sleeping bag. Um, is there anything else that you think is kind of, like, special to you that you like to bring on camping trips that maybe the average person who goes and buys Ozark Trail stuff at Walmart maybe wouldn't bring mm-hmm. with them on a camping trip?
3: Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to bring. I know this might seem kind of dumb, but I like to bring a Gerber because you never know. We need you know to use the certain settings for it. Okay, so a multi-tool, I got it. It's definitely a good
2: one. Um, That's
0: actually that's a really underrated answer because when me and my wife went on our uh, motorcycle trip, I brought one, but I almost didn't bring. it. I thought, what will I really use this for? I have a toolkit, whatever. I'll bring it and. It ended up being the most most used item by far because we like to do cans of soup on the fire, so we would use the needle nose pliers all the time. Yeah, and, it's and then yep, and then you obviously have all your little screwdrivers for your little odds yep. and ends. You got your file. pocket knife. Yeah, yeah. Think about your nails, like you know, if you got to clean your nails out, real your fingernails. I mean, clean, clean your fingernails out real quick, or like whatever. If it's always right there, then you know that's going to be your answer. So that's a Good yeah. Answer. So I actually
4: I... I actually bring a, a Leatherman or Gerber whatever multi-tool into combat when I deploy. It's it's part of my my quote-unquote kit. Um I'm not uh using I guess I'm not using it very often, but it's one of those it's one of those tools exactly that like you'd be surprised how often you need it. I actually put it in my my plate carrier. When... When, uh, when I'm going out, uh, so it's in my flight bag. I've got my head, my headset, I've got my jacket, I've got my snacks and I've got my Gerber and, uh, that's, that's all I need to fly.
2: So when I first came into the, uh, the military, I remember I got to my, my first unit and was given like an initial issue And I was like all bummed because, you know, I was given a rucksack that was very obviously super used. Like like it was ripped and all sorts of other stuff. And I was kind of annoyed about it until I opened it up and found four Gerbers inside of one of the sustainment pouches. And I still have all four
4: of those. So (laughs) (laughs) spread those things out. Lucky you, pal. When I went went to survival training, they wouldn't let us bring Gerbers into the field
0: because it'd be too easy. Yep. Yep. My Gerber that I have, well, I have a few as well, military stuff and things like that. But the main one that I have, I got when I was 17. I was working on base at the equipment rental place. And we kind of went above and beyond for this one big, it was like an outdoorsman event. They rented a bunch of stuff. We went and helped them set it up and all. And to thank us, they gave us all, there's like flashlights. And most of the ladies that worked there wanted the flashlights because they preferred those over the multi-tools. And then we got Gerber multi-tools. And that's still like my... I go-to multi-tool.
2: Yep. Yeah, I know they're, they're 13 all years
0: later. Yep. Good answer.
2: All right. Well, moving on to Chris, what uh, must-have items or item uh, do you always take with you camping that is not a Gerber or a tent or a sleeping bag?
4: Okay. Um, must-have items. Always, always, always extra socks. You never have too many socks. If you've got extra room in your bag, there should be socks in that space. That's Absolutely. my opinion. <laughs> um, I agree with him 100%. <laughs> depending on the type of camping, right? So if if I'm doing a more minimal, minimalist like I have to carry all my stuff in and out, um I, I carry many different things than if I was going to like drive up, um I try to bring an axe with me because you can do a lot with it. Uh depending on what, you know, I guess what you're allowed to do wherever you're camping, you may not be able to cut down trees. But um, it has other uses, too. Uh, a headlamp, because it's so much easier to work in the dark with both your hands free. And kind of back onto the socks note, um, I bring one extra layer than I think I need. So if, uh, if I think it's going to be chilly and I would normally just wear a jacket, I would probably bring like a thermal to go under that jacket just for just in case.
1: Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah, no, I think
2: that's, that's great. Like uh, if you're, if you're in the military, I'm sure, I don't know if you get them in the air force, Chris, but uh, the waffles. Oh yeah. Waffle tops are. Yeah. Those things are great.
3: They are the best invention to mankind since indoor plumbing.
2: Uh, I would say that as far as, especially when we're talking about military warmth gear, well, I'm not going to say what I was going to say because it might be my favorite item to bring. So um. All right. Moving on, uh, Taylor. What is your uh, item of choice?
0: I guess we'll just keep it to one. Well, Chris got three or four, so I'm going to oh, do okay. two. Yep. Um, a handsaw. Mm-hmm. And I don't like personally the folding ones because those are like if if you're going backpacking, maybe that makes sense. But if you're going in a car, a motorcycle, or I don't know, like Pretty much anything other than, like, dedicated backpacking, mm-hmm. just go to Lowe's or Home Depot and buy a ten or twelve dollar full size handsaw, and it makes processing firewood. If you, actually, if you have a chainsaw, I'll take a chainsaw. But if you don't have a chainsaw, go spend a little bit and do that, and it's way easier to cut logs with a handsaw than it is an axe. It's way easier. So yeah. I'm big on doing that, and then the other one I like to bring. Um, is on a first aid note, you should have a good first aid kit because you don't want to have to cut your camping trip short because of a slightly above average injury, right? Like specifically in all my first aid kits, I keep a thing of super glue. They're not usually in there by themselves. You got to add super glue in, but you sanitize a little a cut with a from a pocket knife or whatever, you know, and then you just put a layer of super glue over it. It'll keep it from hurting. It'll keep it from getting worse. It'll keep it from getting infected. So handsaw, super glue Those are my must have out in the woods.
2: Yeah, no, I like that. And for the camping trip we're about to go on, we're going to experience the glamping life and uh, we will be bringing a chainsaw with us, which will be the first time I think for, at least for me. And I think Taylor, I don't know about you, Chris, if you ever had one, but I'm curious to see how easy that makes firewood. Oh, I'm so
0: excited. Yeah. On prin- a lo- a on lot principle, of times when I, I go camping, oh, sorry.
4: <laughs> uh, just, I would <laughs> just like to say do. on principle, when I go camping, there are, there's a level, like, I appreciate glamping, but there's a level I'm not going to go to, and that's
0: chainsaws. I've done so much camping, and I'm a, you, uh, you all know I'm a snob about camping. I want as little help from the outside world when I go camping. I want to bring food that I have to make out there. I like doing camp crafts, which I'm excited to do, some, like, practicing, like, setting up a good camp. Just oh, like no. the, the skill sets. I love it, man. It's it's so much fun. Not like arts and crafts, by the way. No, I know but, that. But I, <laughs> I, said...
3: I have this in my head of you where we all get to the camping place and you're going to set up a little station. All right, everybody, gather around here. What we're going to do today is we're going <laughs> to teach you how to make a fire. Gather all your little twigs and sticks and things, your leaves. Okay, get all set up over here. Do that. Oh, and after that, we, we've got some trail mix I made.
0: It's time for not tying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Hope you're ready for it. Yeah, I boy. actually, I've been watching, not immediately recently, but recently, um, some videos on like different fire techniques, like where this guy will using a chainsaw and like big tools, he'll create with like two or three big logs a really creative fire structure, and you just put some sticks in the middle of it. You get it burning, and it burns for hours. So while we're out there, I do want to look some of those up and pick one or two to try because just for the fun of it, it's a fun thing to do. Yeah. Well, don't go too much further on that subject because
2: it might come up here in a little bit. Um, I just, I would like to counter Chris's point real quick by just saying I have never had the opportunity to bring some of those more luxurious items with me on camping trips. Like John alluded to at the beginning of this, the, uh, the army anyways, I know you air force folks don't really camp. You just get a hotel room. But when we go to the field, they make camping quote unquote miserable um, oh my and then every time, goodness. every time we go camping on motorcycles, you really can't bring much with you. So like, you know, you're limited. So that's kind of more of the primitive camping. So that's why I'm looking forward to this trip, just kind of experiencing, having more of that freedom. Cause we're going to be using our, my truck to get us out there. So, you know, bringing a big old cooler with food and beer and all that good stuff. But then yeah, chainsaw, any, any, and all creature comforts, we're going to get a shot on this trip, but all right. So moving on to my. Must-have items. Um, so back to John or our comments about the waffles. Uh, a whoopee or a poncho liner is, I guess, the technical term for it. Uh, Must-have for me, especially, well, particularly for cold weather camping. I don't really like hot weather camping just because I, I, I personally think hot weather is no fun because you can't really cool yourself off unless you can go swimming in, like, a creek or something. But in the, in the uh, cold, you can always warm yourself up. So uh, whoopee for sure.
0: Let me – let me jump in here real fast. and I'm going to make you explain what a waffle top, because we said that earlier and didn't explain it. Waffle top and a whoopie. Explain what those are.
3: Well, you see, okay, so- it's, you, it's a waffle <laughs> that you mix up, you know, with a batter, and you cook it, and you just put it on yourself. It's waffle no, top. So,
2: so these two items are arguably two of the more like when you get when you join the military, you get issued all sorts of equipment. Um, you know, literally, like I think my clothing record that I. Signed for that is government property is worth like eleven thousand dollars because I have two issues on there and Anyways, um, you get a bunch of useless junk. Some of it you'll never even take out of the bags, but these two items you'll use all the time, particularly in the cold. So uh, when we talk about waffles, basically a thermal gear that is it has like a it looks like like a waffle kind of like you know like what you eat no. for breakfast. What
4: <laughs> we we don't wear waffles to stay warm. It's, it's a, it's like a, a sweatshirt, like a quarter zip sweatshirt. The inside. Yeah. Yeah, So the air force doesn't wear them to stay warm because they don't ever go to the field.
2: But the army, when we actually go to the field, um, it's pretty cold in that. It is. You're right. But you also have heaters and things like that. So you do absolutely wear waffles to stay warm and you wear it underneath your uniform and it's the color of your uniform. So they had tan ones. Now they're more of a green color to, accommodate the new, uh, army combat uniform. Either way, super comfortable soldiers. I guess airmen also just really like them. Um, but then the poncho liner, or as most people in the military call it, the woobie is essentially a blanket, um, that's made out of some sort of a nylon material that is just like, it's magical. This thing, very thin, you can fit it into a backpack really easy, but it does, in my opinion, a very good job of keeping you keeping you warm when you're sleeping in a tent or, you know, on a cot in the middle of a bigger tent. Like, <laughs> I don't know. What are your guys' experiences with waffles and whoobies?
3: <laughs> yeah, I can disagree with you.
0: I love my waffle top. It's great for underneath motorcycle gear. It's great, obviously, in military applications. It's got the little thumb hook things, so you, like on the sleeves, so you can... Like when you're putting other layers on, your sleeves don't get sucked up into the other sleeve. I really like that. Or if you're yeah. only wearing it, you know, it's kind of snugly feeling. It's soft. It's called a waffle, obviously, because it's tan and has a grid pattern to the thermal mm-hmm. print, which I thought you would explain. That's It looks like a waffle. Um, whoobies. I am just going to go ahead and, and put myself on an island of hate. <laughs> don't like them that much. I, the only time that has been really been useful to me is when I slept in a hammock, and I don't like sleeping in hammocks. But when I have a few times, I've used that as a liner wait, outside wait, of he, my sleeping bag.
3: You don't like sleeping in hammocks? I would swear that you'd be the one guy that swears by hammocks. I have what, seen you? Taylor s-
2: sleep in a hammock multiple times on camping mm. trips.
0: Has it gone oh. well, Rob, ever?
3: No, he's always
2: frozen.
0: I hate it. <laughs> I, I'm, 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 and I know the right practices to do. You're supposed to do lots of layers you have i'll put a tarp over top i'll put an air mattress underneath me but i toss and turn a lot in my sleep that's one thing so the air mattress doesn't work out well and i tend to like to sleep either on my side or on my stomach so then i'm like bent backwards and there's (laughs) hammocks out there that like are supposed to lay flat or if you tie them upright it's supposed to work but i don't know i've tried it like rob said numerous times it's not for me and Now what I've settled on is maybe my favorite type of sleeping when I'm camping is not even using a tent, but just using a tarp built into a lean-to with a campfire right next to it. If it's cold, we're talking about cold. Um, Because if it's hot, I do want a tent because of the bugs. But if it's cold, the bugs aren't there. And so you can put a a lean-to with a tarp and then put the fire right next to it so you have the heat circulating inside of there. And you just stack up a whole bunch of small logs next to you so that if it gets cold in the night, you can build it up as you go. I'm going way overboard on this to say yeah, that no, we, I, don't we... like, I don't like sleeping in hammocks. <laughs> <laughs> and we originally – we were talking about whoobies. So
2: now, Chris, i um, sorry. I know I was – the Air Force-Army uh, inter-service rivalry took over. But what, So what is your thoughts on the, the waffles and the whoobie?
4: Yeah, so I was just trying to say about the waffle top that it doesn't look like a waffle and Taylor explained, you know, why we call it waffle tops. I like it. One uh, one thing he mentioned the little thumb hooks, right? So when you put your yeah. uniform on over it, like it doesn't get all like janked up inside your sleeves. And uh, it's thin, and somehow it's just such a it's such a warm layer to add underneath uh, a top, or or just to wear with nothing over it. But uh, for such something so thin and lightweight, for it to provide so much um, heat, it's it's super comfortable and Really easy uh I remember uh, to, i us see I deployment in Afghanistan, I used it a lot, and when I went to Sear, we used it a lot, like when we'd be hiking around and um not need the jackets or anything, and the the waffle top was like the perfect like the perfect thing not you know, not too hot, not too cold while you're moving around, actually working mm-hmm. so. I like it a lot. So, um, I, don't, so I for sure I, I don't thought have you a said that
2: you didn't think it was meant for keeping you warm.
4: No, no, no. You said it looks like a waffle. And I said, no, it doesn't look like a waffle.
2: <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's, a, it's a sweatshirt.
3: Well, I mean, it kind of does.
2: So for, for those of you who have never seen a waffle top, um, I'm assuming at this point we already have our Reddit and everything set up. So we'll post it in our Reddit and uh, we'll, we'll maybe do a vote on that uh, and see who thinks it looks like a waffle. And, and then we'll be able to tell Chris why he's wrong. Um <laughs> no I'm just kidding but um so I guess we'll move on to the next topic keep this thing rolling uh which Taylor has pretty much already uh kind of answered this question for us but we'll start with John um so best practices on camping trips particularly with shelter setup whether that be a tent or whatever else um And then, like, food, anything that you can think of. Like, what's a good practice that you like to apply when you're out camping?
3: Well, I'm not the right person to ask this, but I'll take a shot at it. At least for your food, you want to make sure you don't leave any food lying out and keep it all secured if you can. Don't want any beasties to come up and rummage around while you're sleeping. Yeah, keep the bears away.
2: Are there bears in Talladega, Alabama? I'm sure there are. Yeah. We'll find out.
3: (laughs) I'm sure there are, yeah.
2: We'll put the food next to Taylor's, whatever shelter he sets up. No, I'm his, just his
3: lean-to next to his <laughs> hammock. <laughs> All
2: right. Um, no, that's. I think that's a good point. Uh, that is like definitely a pet peeve of mine. Well, I guess not really so much of people where they position their food, but I thought you were kind of going more towards also cleaning up after yourself because there are people that don't do that, and you'll yeah, find those random camping sites, and it's just like makes you mad at humanity because they just ruined a perfectly good little area. So we always try to clean those up. Um, all right, well, moving on to Chris, what, uh, what best practices uh, do you apply when camping?
4: Yeah, well, I'd have to start with the most obvious, uh, not to use a chainsaw in a national forest, but besides that, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I don't know if we're going to mention it at any point. I'm a big fan of leave no trace. I like, I try to leave, wherever I stayed, in a better state than, than when I went in there, you know, I'm not leaving trash. Uh, I'm not leaving like burnt cans in the fire pit, that kind of thing. Even if I, if there's not an obvious fire pit and I, that I end up making one, I'll try to make it at least look like there wasn't an obvious fire there at some point. Um, some things I think people don't set up, uh, some of the hard lessons you end up learning uh, as you go is like where you set up your shelter. Uh, for example, uh, if it were to rain in the middle of the night and you find out that you're right where all the water likes to flow. So if there's like an obvious downhill, typically it's not where you want to be. Um, th- that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's hard. It, I guess it's hard to explain, you know, just on a podcast here, but you get this feeling eventually when you look at a potential campsite and you're like, yeah, I don't want to stay there. Cause I know that's going to end up coming back to bite me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know that feeling. Definitely have experienced that. We might get to that here in a little bit. Um, all right, good deal. Well, since we've already heard Taylor's answer, I guess we will just skip him for now. I'm just kidding. What's what, what's your uh, best practices
0: for camping trips, Taylor? Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll just round out my thought on the lean to. There's a lot of little stuff about gathering firewood and things like that that are always. But like like Chris is saying, picking a spot that's going to naturally stay dry. Mm-hmm. Make sure it's flat. As you set your stuff up, you want to make sure that your head is going to be oriented. If there's any slope, you want your head uphill, not downhill, because you'll wake up with a headache as all the blood has slowly kind of like gone to your head overnight. So you want to make sure that if there's any incline that your head's a little bit uphill. And then I'm doing this lean-to thing. I I don't hate tents. I have a few good ones, but I've got a tarp that I have preset with the stakes tied to the corners where I want them—the four corners. And then I've got a long rope that I can put between trees in either direction. And then if you were to try to think of how to describe it, because it goes up to the rope and then there's about a foot section that comes down the other way to give – there's like a little bit of a peak like you would have on a tent, but it goes all the way down to the ground on the one side. and the other side, side, it goes down about a foot. It's just like a little flap right there. Yeah, yeah, flap coming down from the peak. And then on those corners, I have bungees. And I use pliers to clamp them to it and then stakes on the other side. So it's really quick and easy to set up. There's no tent poles or anything. I do have to have two trees to put it between, like you would have sort of, because you can use sticks. You can use sticks to simulate that if you need to. Yeah. Um, but so I do that. And then I like it. I, I also, well, I also have an air mattress, a little backpacking air mattress that folds up a little bit smaller than a two liter bottle. And you just use your hands to pump it up, like you're doing CPR on it. And that gives you about a two or three inch tall, about two feet wide, about six feet long air mattress. So then I don't have to worry so much about little roots and rocks and things like that. And it gives you a layer of air for warmth. So all that, plus I have a waterproof sleeping bag. When I combine all those things, I like being in the open air. Because if you ever hear stuff moving around in camp, you know, it's like, oh, is that a raccoon? Is it a bear? Is it the wind? If you're inside of a tent, you think, I don't have to worry about it because I'm in a tent. It's like your brain has this weird little trick where you think you're safe. Of course, we know you're not safe, but you feel a little more safe. But you also can't see it. So it has this mysterious, like, uh, it's, it's a grizzly bear or with a wind or a ghost or whatever. it's Bigfoot. But in my little lean-to setup, I don't have the imaginary security. Cause I do feel a little more exposed, but I can also just look, I just take my yeah. flashlight and check and see what, what might be there. So it's kind of a little flip on how you feel mentally. And I like it. I like, I like that. being able to just check and see what it is. If it's a coyote, fine, let's fight. If it's a bear, <laughs> I'll die. Um, and if it's the wind, then I can go right to sleep.
1: Yeah. If it's
0: Bigfoot, then I'm trying to have a conversation. I'll offer him the beef jerky I warm the fire up, and I just—I got questions. I just want to learn, man. I'm not going to report you. I just want to know, (laughs) and at least get some like good pictures of him because I wouldn't even take—I wouldn't even take a picture of Bigfoot. I'd make make that part of the agreement. I just want to know. (laughs) For me, I am
1: respect
3: respect Bigfoot's privacy.
0: Yeah. No. Okay. So as the uh,
2: moderator, I'm going to use my authority and uh, make two comments. Um, One, Chris Chainsaw, we're not going to be cutting down trees. I don't think, anyways. The plan would be to, if there is a fallen big section of a tree, we can cut it up really easy and not have to waste our time hacking away at it with an axe. And then two, for Taylor's lean-to, the only devil's advocate comment I would put towards that thing, because I do like that setup, and uh, we'll be sure to take some photos of it and post it um, on whatever different social media uh, outlets that we have for this um, so you all can see what he does. But I think that would really only be good... In, air, in cold weather camping, first of all, but then also in areas where there aren't, like, bugs everywhere. Because, like, so Rachel and I went – or my wife and I went camping down in the Keys in Florida. And there were sand gnats everywhere. And I feel like even with a regular tent that has that bug net, like, they were still getting in. It was awful. So, for me – and that that might just be a personal thing. If you're cool with the bugs, like, you know, carry on. I can't do it personally. But I do think that's I, a really cool setup.
0: I'm not cool with the bugs. And I did say that it, for – hot weather with bugs, I do prefer a tent. And there was one camping experience I had on the beach at in the outer banks on one of the islands there Mm -hmm. where the mosquitoes were so bad. People were sleeping in their cars. They weren't even bothering to set up tents. That's what I did. (laughs) And we we like I went and, and bought like at the little like corner store, half the shelf worth of like the mosquito fogger stuff and a new bottle of bug spray. It was it was brutal in the dunes, yeah. like on the on the leeward side of the dunes. And oh yeah, so bugs. Not going to sleep bugs, in the open there. Yeah, there bugs are a surefire way to ruin a camping trip real
2: quick. Um, all right, so real quick, just to do mine, then we'll move on to the next topic. So my best practices, you guys all mentioned very good ones uh, that you know. I think we all kind of just employ um, without even really thinking about it nowadays. But that those were all good. Um, so for me. Uh, I do typically tent camp. That's my, my preferred method there. Um, I, and I made a jab at the Ozark trail, um, stuff that you can get at Walmart. But my personal opinion is if you're not living the camp life, like if you're not constantly going out and backpacking, like Ozark trail is a great option to go and get a decent tent for you and the family. Like we have, we have a tent that can like literally sleep my whole family if we wanted to. And it was like, I think 60 bucks at Walmart. Um, and it's, Pretty good quality. I mean, I, we wouldn't want to be there, be in there for like a torrential downpour, but um, you know, it, it it does the job. Um, so, tent camping for me. Now, I am going to talk on food. Uh, two things particularly with food. Uh, one, my favorite thing to do on a cold camping morning is make breakfast uh, if I if I am able. So, all the stuff you need for doing eggs and bacon is really awesome. Um, and then for dinner, uh, I alluded to it earlier. So I learned on my trip out uh, by Lake Erie when I was in middle school about something. We called them mountain pies. Um, but essentially it's a like a iron uh, – I don't know how, what, you, what you'd consider it. Taylor, help me out. I know you know what I'm talking about here.
0: It's a sandwich it's, cooker
2: thing, right? Yeah. It's basically it, – okay, it's a sandwich cooker. But we called them a mountain pie cooker. So basically it, it fits a piece, of <clears throat> a piece of bread on either side. You can go ahead and put whatever you want on the inside, peanut butter and jelly, mozzarella sauce and marinara cheese, like whatever you want and you can just stick it in the fire and just flip it a couple times and it'll come out and it'll basically be like a grilled cheese sandwich but with whatever internals you put in it, delicious. The other thing that I learned on another camping trip that I think is really good that I recommend people try is go to your grocery store, get a bag of salted peanuts in the shells, Go ahead and get some like river water or something if that's all you got or if you've got like gallons of of uh, you know purified water, pour that into a pot, get get it to boiling, and just throw those peanuts in there and let them sit. And then you like fresh boiled peanuts around a fire in the cold is awesome. I love it. Um,
0: all right, well then let me say Frito chili pie is my food thing, which is just you heat up a can of chili, you put it in your bag of Fritos, and you put a bunch of cheese on there. Makes ooh, that yeah, bad boy right. up. Okay, Solid. well, since we're talking about food, I guess
2: uh,
3: Chris and John, what are your favorite camping foods? I know Start... mine's yeah. pretty basic, but I just like the good old s'mores.
4: S'mores, okay. I
2: like it. Make sure to bring marshmallows and stuff for our trip. <laughs> um, Chris, what a, what's your camping food of choice?
4: Yeah, so if I'm uh, driving in, this is maybe a more glamping type situation, I will bring a crock pot. Uh, and any sort of crockpot recipe, I just like the idea of like, cooking it. The fire is my oven, sort of thing. Um, one you partic- mean crock
0: crockpot or Dutch oven?
4: Did I say crockpot? You did. Uh, I was going to say uh, you
2: were making fun of us for a chainsaw and you're bringing a crockpot. Yeah, crock yeah, pot yeah, yeah. It, trip.
4: it doesn't work. <laughs> I just put it in the fire. Chris <laughs> yeah, is over here with our uh, house for yeah. this camping trip. <laughs> I'm <laughs> camping every night, man. <laughs> All right, so yes, a Dutch oven, uh, excuse me, cast iron uh, Dutch oven, is uh, what I'll bring. One staple that my dad would always do on camp trips, and now I do, is uh, peach cobbler. So you take uh, mm. a couple cans of peaches, right? There's just peaches and like sugar syrup or whatever they store them in, and then a box of cake mix, like yellow cake mix or something. You just put the put the peach down there in the crock pot, cover it with the, with the cake mix. And then you can put a little butter or something on top, maybe some cinnamon. Um, and that's it. You just cook it in there until it's ready. Uh, the Mm -hmm. juices from the peach preservatives or whatever they put in that can, uh, soak into the powder of the cake mix. And it comes out like a little, you know, not like a real cake, but like a crusty top to the, uh, to the peach, And it's a delicious, really super easy uh, camping dessert. Uh, If I'm not doing that, I will typically take a meat and maybe a vegetable, and I will cook them in like aluminum foil or something in the fire because it's just real easy. It's also easy to use the to clean up after with the aluminum foil and to carry in and out.
0: Um, For the sake of the casual listener who doesn't have Google with them right now. Can you talk about what a Dutch oven is?
4: Yeah, so a Dutch oven is not a crock pot, but imagine a similar shape, right? It's a it's a cast iron pot with a cast iron lid, and the entire thing can be put into an actual oven in your home, or you can just put it into a campfire, or put some coals above or below it uh, to heat the contents of the inside of it. So the whole thing is cast iron, uh, and it's essentially the weight of the cast iron lid will seal the top. So if you put it right into the fire, your food is safe inside. But it, um, the, the, the cast iron itself kind of creates an oven inside for whatever you're cooking. So a lot of people use it for stews. Um, I, I said one d- dessert example. Um, but
0: it's nifty. Yeah, we
2: might, have to, we might have to give that a try.
0: So I don't have a Dutch oven, but I do have a cast iron stew pot.
3: And a Crock-Pot. Yeah,
0: <laughs> crockpot, and it's got. I've got a tripod thing for it, and I haven't used it in a long time, and it's been neglected, so it's actually rusted over pretty bad. But I'm gonna try and do a like restoration on that, so we can take it camping and maybe make a soup in
4: it or something. Yeah, nice. so like uh, Dutch ovens aren't super expensive, and if any of you were ever thinking about doing that, um, I mean, it's probably worth the the investment. I don't know the exact price right now, but you could take them from any. Uh honestly I think Target sells them, Walmart sells them. Uh they're not that Best bad. Best Pro
2: Shop sells them for sixty bucks apparently. Just looked it up out of curiosity.
4: Sixty's a little more than I expected, to be honest. Or but, excuse uh, me, fifty. I I would have expected forty. Is that where's that from?
2: Well, so Cabela's, uh, uh let's see here. Cabela's Bass Pro Shop. There's an Amazon purchase you can do. Um, but they're all right. They're all sitting at like fifty bucks, and then there's a bunch that are like there's one here that's like two hundred and eighty dollars, which I don't know what yeah. on earth makes that any different. But. <laughs>
4: um, if I if I weren't driving up necessarily, or if I if it was, was a little more minimal of camping, I would consider a cast iron pan, not the actual Dutch oven with a lid, but just a pan because it would weigh significantly less. You just have to be more careful with that because when you put it on a fire, if you're not careful, like the ash and stuff from the fire can get in, like an open top mm-hmm. pan, but I like cooking with cast iron, especially when I'm out in the, in the woods or something.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. We might, well, I might even look at getting one of those for this trip. Um, I would just like to say that I am very thankful that none of you said uh, MREs uh, <laughs> because I feel like I have a lot of friends that would be like, oh yeah, I just like taking MREs with me. And I but personally why? think that MREs are disgusting and I would never, ever want to eat them if at all possible. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which if you don't know what an MRE is, just Google it. Again, there's a lot of Googling going on in this episode, but it, <laughs> it's an acronym that stands for Meal Ready to Eat. It's what the military eats, and it's kind of gross. Um, all right, so moving in. or like, moving yes, it's gross. Yeah, it's it's pretty gross. Depending on the one you get, I guess, but yeah, most of them are disgusting. Yes, that is um, true. So moving on to the next topic, um, we'll kick it off with John. Um, and this might be kind of hard for you again just because of the limited uh, experiences. Hopefully – this camping trip we're about to go on will not fit this criteria, but what is the craziest or worst camping experience you have ever had? And actually you could use the military Mm -hmm. for this one.
3: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) If I could use the military, then it would have to be our AT and Fort drum where it rained almost every single day. So you'd be doing a night maneuvers with your night vision goggles and it's just, Pouring down rain, even though it was in the summer, it was cold. It was oh, yeah, Fort, miserable. Fort
2: Drum is New York, so,
0: like, upstate New York, right? Uh, I, think, I, don't, I think so, probably. I don't remember. Yeah. yeah, it's right near the Canadian border. Oh, yeah.
3: yeah. It so. was absolutely miserable, and I hated every second. It was kind of fun at times, but having to, sl- you know, slosh through mud for just to do simple things and always having to change up the boots and socks, and it was just miserable. Hated oh, it. Oh yeah, that's Keep like it going back dry. to Chris's.
2: It's like going back to Chris's point about uh, extra socks. There is nothing worse than wet feet when you're camping uh, or goodness. in the woods yes. where you can't go
3: take a shower and put on dry clothes. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, Although, all right. Well, the yeah. craziest I think part was trying to think if we did anything super. Well, I guess it wasn't super crazy, but we we got authorization to go to the PX real quick. And so a bunch of us piled in the back of the Humvee and the driver that was in the Humvee, he, I swear this guy purposely hit every single pothole on the tank trails. He wouldn't avoid anything. So we ended up getting the main rope and then promptly blowing a tire. So we had to wait three hours or more. I can't remember how long it was for the record to come, put on a tire and they put the wrong type of tire on. It was for an upturned Humvee, as opposed to our the soft shells that we had, and so you could barely drive it. It was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> nice, I know that feeling. Um,
2: all right, Chris, what is your craziest slash worst camping experience?
4: Well, I think uh, I think it wouldn't be fair to say anything other than than Seer was my craziest or worst survival experience or uh, camping experience. And that's just the nature of the training. Um, it was mm-hmm. the best training that I never want to have ever again. Um,
0: I, I had a great time at Sear. I thought it was fun. Yeah, well,
4: <laughs> I did. I mean, I did. I did. No, I take that back. I did have a great time at Sear, but it was hard, and it was crazy. And as far as camping goes, <laughs> it's like I said, it's the best training I never want to do again. So, um, no, it was – it would, I wouldn't I would be it wouldn't be fair to not mention uh, that.
0: SEER so uh, so being the survival training that military pilots and people go through if they're ever out there and have to survive a couple of weeks
4: ago. Yeah, I went through in February and ours is up in uh, Washington State. There was a few feet of snow on the ground the whole time we were out there. We had to do everything in like snowshoes and everything was like snow shelters and stuff. I could, you know, really relate and you're talking about cold weather camping. Uh, I thought it was fun. I learned a lot, even being an experienced uh, outdoorsman at that point. I still learned a lot. It was fun, but it was very difficult. And by nature of the training, it was pretty crazy. Um, other than that, I remember once uh, when I was in Boy Scouts, uh, there was a, I went on a, a week-long summer camp. And there's at one point, Somewhere towards the, the middle or the end, maybe it was a couple weeks long. At one point, like your family can come visit you and just see like, all the stuff you're getting to do there. And my parents noticed my behavior was really odd. And they were like, Why, why are you being so nice to your sister? I'm, I'm like, What are we talking about? You know, I'm just like, Apparently, um, I had only been drinking Gatorade the entire time because they, they told us to. To keep drinking, stay hydrated, all that. Well, I'd not drink any water. I'd only drink in Gatorade, and I had gotten uh, a pretty bad case of heat exhaustion, and they had to take me to the um, the ER and get an IV overnight. And then doctor explained how electrolytes work, and he's like, "If you keep drinking Gatorade, it, at least dilute it with water, but you should probably just be drinking water." <laughs> so. Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, I just remember being kind of loopy and kind of out of it. And my parents like, why are you being nice to your sister? And something's wrong. They took me to the camp medic or whatever. <laughs> that's,
0: that's the red flag right there. Chris being nice to his sister. Oh, something's wrong.
4: Yeah, well, when I was 11, especially. <laughs> I got uh. well, you said you were 11? It, I was – it was a young Boy Scout. I wasn't wasn't recent uh, as, like, an older teenager. but.
0: I was 11 when I went to the ER. At a Boy Scout camping trip too. I got nice. in a fight with another Boy Scout and he broke my collarbone. We broke my collarbone uh, because I was holding his shirt and he pushed me real hard, and we both fell over and cracked down on my broke my collarbone. Kids fighting. What are you going to do?
2: Yeah. So, um, moving on, I guess. Taylor, is that your
0: worst or craziest experience, or did you have another one? Um, that wasn't the story I had picked. I mean, that was a frustrating night, but what are you going to do? Kids get in fights sometimes. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I'm going to use the time that I bailed on a camping trip when I was out solo camping because I had gone by myself on a motorcycle to Talladega National Forest and got out there, set up camp. I was doing hammock camping still. I was still trying to make that a thing in my life. So I got my tarp up, my <laughs> hammock, good to go. Got the fire going. And actually, I don't know if I've told you guys this part of the story before, but I almost burned the forest down because I was on this beautiful campsite up on the high ridges up there. And the wind was blowing real hard. And it was way drier than I thought it was going to be. Like, I don't know. Like, I just didn't, hadn't realized how dry it was. So I got my fire going. And I know how to build a fire. I'm pretty good at building a fire. So I get my fire going. And all of a sudden, my fire was going. And it was right between these two big rocks that were channeling the wind straight into it. And I, like, legitimately had this moment where I was like, "Ah, this fire is going way more than I think it can. It's blowing embers and sparks all over around me. The wind's going. Everything's dry. So like, I was running around, like, stomping little spots out. Like, it was, it was sketch. But that's not the point of the story. I got it toned down and knocked some of the logs off and um, had my dinner, hung out by myself, just kind of having, you know, my time in the woods or whatever, find my inner self kind of moment. And – it was whatever. I just wanted to, I just wanted to go camp. So it gets dark and it's like we were saying, you kind of feel like you go to bed earlier when you're camping. So I'm laying in my hammock and I start hearing coyotes, not near me, but I can hear them howling and chirping. the little kind of pack, maybe within a mile of me. So they're not, if they could smell me, I know they're not going to come mess with me. Coyotes aren't really dangerous for people. And they're definitely not dangerous for adults, especially not, um, conservative second amendment believing adults. So I really wasn't (laughs) scared for my safety, but every time I would hear something in my campsite, I'd have to get like, kind of lean up out of my hammock, turn on my headlamp and like, look around. No, that's not anything. They're not here. So I'd lay down. I'd hear them howling and chirping off in the distance. And then a few minutes later, I'd hear something moving, brushing, whether it was some other nocturnal creature or the wind or whatever, I'd lean up, I'd look. And this went on for like an hour and a half. And I'm like, I'm not going to fall asleep. I'm not, scared isn't the right word, but I was like, I have to be alert to this. Because if they're here, I need to know. And then I kind of crested over into the the heebie-jeebies territory. Of just like, if you're constantly turning on your flashlight and looking off into the dark woods around you, it's like, did you guys ever play that game, Slender Man? That old, uh, <laughs> it's it's not like a flash game, but it's like close to being a flash game. It's like really basic graphics, where that's it. You're I just walking through. You know hate
3: the horror games, so
0: no, <laughs> I have not played it. It's so <laughs> basic. It's like the most simple, basic game. Your whole task is to try to find six pieces of paper before you get caught by the Slender Man, and you're just walking through the woods with a flashlight. And if you look at him, he comes closer to you, so you can't look at him. And that's, you get that, that feeling of this is like the oppressiveness of the woods. And I know that I'm not in any real danger, but I just, like your your lizard brain survival instinct is like spinning up these scenarios in your head. And you're like, no, I'm okay. Well, anyway, I finally was like, I'm not getting any sleep. It's almost one o'clock in the morning. I'm going home. So I just texted my wife and said, yeah, hey, I'll be home in an hour and a half. <laughs> I got up, I packed up, and I just rode home. And she's like, are you going to be all right? I was like, yeah, it's, I, I'm fine. I'm wide awake. i just not going to sleep here. Might as well come back by 3 o'clock in the morning and sleep there. So that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, no, I, I know that feeling all too well. Um, <clears throat> uh, I'm going to go ahead and, for my point on this, keep mine short, because I have a very – well, not a similar – it's pretty similar. It's about the same story, just not in Talladega.
0: It happened like two weeks after mine, right? Because you were making fun of me.
2: Yeah. So Yes. So I also, and yes, I guess <laughs> it was very close to that time period, attempted a solo camp. Now, this was, I wanted, I decided, I was like, you know what? I want to do a motorcycle camping trip solo um, before I deploy. So, and I was living in southeastern Georgia where I currently live. in, um, <clears throat> and, and this was in the summertime. So already, already, you know, m- meeting two criteria that I don't like for camping. And that is there's going to be tons of bugs and it was super hot. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to do it anyways. And I went to an area that I knew, um, that I, I knew, but I didn't know super well, but I figured it'd be a spot where I could go camp and nobody would bug me. So I get out to this spot. Uh, I made the rookie mistake of listening to creepy story podcasts, um, which my Uh, creepy story podcast of choice. Yep. Is, uh, if you ever want to check it out, no sleep podcast. Very interesting. Um worked very well for this particular situation uh in a bad way. um so I'm sitting out there just kind of drinking a couple beers, listening to this podcast, and then I start just hearing people and like this area of South Georgia is known for um kind of sketchy folks that enjoy their meth um and I just all these thoughts start racing through my mind of like I'm about to be found by some meth heads and I'm in the middle of nowhere where I have hardly any cell coverage and they're gonna get me. So kind of similar
4: deliverance to t- was filmed?
2: Uh wasn't that West Virginia? <laughs> no, it was it was Northern no, Georgia. Georgia. Was oh Northern Georgia. Georgia. Okay, well I'm in yeah southern southern Georgia in the swamp. Oh so it's
4: like deliverance with crocodiles. Well
2: uh, alligators, alligators excuse yeah. <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah so same thing as Taylor. i you know quick and in a hurry packed up all my stuff at like one in the morning and uh rode out of there on my extremely loud motorcycle. Um, probably. I mean, they were probably nice in,
3: people. I don't know, but in my in, mind, in the, the background, probably you faintly looking. heard banjos.
2: Yep. So, uh, but I'm going to follow that story up with, just since we're talking about it and we're keeping this episode a little bit shorter and we're almost done other than general comments. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to tell a story of the worst camping experience that I saw and Taylor saw another individual that we didn't even
0: know have um, bro I just told this story today earlier today I was talking about our camping trip to a guy at work and and I went off on this tangent and I told the story I was like yeah we were out there with our wives and this dude walked down in the middle of our campsite take it away all
3: right and name so um, we name a more con- iconic duo than uh, Taylor and tangents
2: Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep this as quick as possible because it, it was a very interesting story but uh, like Taylor mentioned, The two of us and our two wives went ahead and did a camping trip up in northern Georgia, near Blue Ridge, Georgia, in the mountains. We're delivering Um, Yes. (laughs) We set up a super awesome campsite up there. It rained on us the whole time, or at least for the first part of it. But we had this massive tarp that I'm not going to go into any details about. Uh, Maybe we'll just post a picture of it somewhere. Uh, But had this massive tarp that was a great shelter. We could do a fire underneath it. Everybody could be under it and kind of hang out, even though it was raining. We dug a trench for the water. Well anyways, we were not the only ones experiencing that torrential downpour because we're sitting around the campfire, probably at about what I remember being like six or seven It was already dark out so six or seven in the evening um, cooking up our hot hot meals and a guy just starts walking towards our campsite, which is always just like a red flag when you're out by you know in the woods, especially with your wives. So I'm sure Taylor and I both were uh, kind of making sure our pistols were handy. And uh, this gentleman approaches the uh, the campfire and goes on to explain that he was like some sort of like physical therapist or something. I forget what his, uh, his job was, but he was from down in Florida, like in the Tampa Bay area, and had flown to Atlanta, had someone drive him from Atlanta to the, the start of the Appalachian Trail. And his goal was, I forget exactly how far he was trying to complete, but he was going to try and hike. A good portion of the AT. Um, And he said that he had been prepping for it for a while. He took a ton of leave from work and had made sure all of his gear was like waterproofed and everything. But that one rainstorm that came through, that was like just atrocious, apparently soaked everything he had to include his medicine. Um, I think for like diabetes or something. But either way, it was a showstopper for his trip. So he was one day into it and came down to us asking for a ride into town so that he could get a hotel and schedule a flight out of Atlanta to go back to Florida and have to explain to all his friends that he uh, he basically, basically uh, failed. yeah he failed and lost his shot and of course that was that was also kind of a sketchy moment of like okay do we give this guy a ride just one-on-one like I ended up taking him back um, just because you know it's just kind of weird I mean that's how that's how um, serial killer movies happen. Um, or I guess in that situation, it might not be a serial killer, but at least a murder movie happens. Um, but the guy ended up being super cool and he was like a former Marine and all this good stuff. And I got him to a hotel and, and life was good. Got back, ate my dinner and whatnot. So good times. Well,
0: we tried, (laughs) we tried to talk him into like, Hey man, just reset. We got a fire going. We got a dry area here. You can hang out with us for the night. That's fine. Once we kind of had our guard down a little bit, we were comfortable. Like just hang out, and dry your stuff out, and that's what he told us about the medicine. He's like, ah, I, "My my pills are ruined, and I have to have them." So I I gotta call it. it was, I felt so bad for him. Like,
2: yeah, ah. he he was crushed. You, you could tell the whole way down. He was he was crushed about it. So I guess moral of the story there is uh, redundancy on waterproofing. So best back to uh, best practices for <laughs> um, camping trips. Make sure that if you're planning on doing a long trip, uh, maybe dual. Or double bag your medicine if you need that to survive. (laughs) Um, But anyways, we're moving on to what is um, our last point of discussion on this besides just closing comments. Um, So this kind of ties into one of our previous episodes that we had done. Um, But what hobby have um, have you ever or do you want to incorporate into camping? Um, And if you need me to do mine first to kind of explain my thought process on this,
4: this topic, just let me know. Otherwise we'll kick it off with John. Why don't, why don't you give an example? This seems, this seems pretty pointed. I want to hear what you have to say.
2: All right. So here's, here's kind of like a dream camping trip of mine um, where I'm incorporating my hobbies. So one, we've already talked in previous episodes, I believe. And if we haven't, then that's crazy, but we're all big into dual sport motorcycle riding. So obviously I think at this point, all of us, except for maybe John have um, done some motorcycle camping. And to me, that is like the most fun thing, you know, just filling up your, your saddlebags or your, um, you know, whatever you got, your rear box, your backpack with whatever equipment you can take with you for a one or multi-night camping trip. But the other hobby that I really want to incorporate into camping is I want to, do motorcycle camping, but I want to try hunting while motorcycle camping. Because I've seen people do it, and I, and I acknowledge that it probably is pretty sketchy, especially if you were to uh, end up, you know, finding an animal that you were hunting for and getting it back to uh, an area where you can transport the, uh, the, the meat and whatnot. Um, but I just love the thought of going out to a place like Montana in the summertime there, whenever it's, like, not, you know, covered in snow. And going out on a motorcycle with my rifle strapped to my bike and, you know, being out in a super remote area and going hunting and in the process setting up a campsite and all that kind of stuff. I know that's kind of, you know, broad, but that's that's kind of where I was going with uh, with that. But, I mean, some people, you know, they like going out and they like flying drones. They like, you know, bringing a guitar. Just that that was kind of what I was thinking was what hobby would you um, incorporate into camping. So. Um, John, do you have one, or would
4: you like us to come back to you? Oh, I, have a, I have a question for yours, real quick. Yeah. Have you have you played the game Red Dead Redemption? Uh
2: I have not. I know what okay. it is. I know it's a Western themed, like third yes.
4: person. So I essentially, what you're of- describing <laughs> is a modern version of Red Dead Redemption. So in in both the first and second game, second game is is very good. And I don't think you quite you don't need it. You don't need the first game to understand the second, so i would just go with the second, if I were you. Because mm-hmm. what you're describing is essentially what you get to do in this video game, because it's an open-world, cowboy-type of game. There is a very, very large uh, hunting mechanic to this game. Like, you, could, you can pretty much just play the game to hunt and fish if you want to, and you're going around on your horse, you know, old-school motorcycle, if you will, right? Uh... I think you'd enjoy that part of that game anyway i was i when you when you said that initially before you gave your your demonstration, I was thinking like that'd be kind of kind of fun It's doing like a red dead redemption modern so i will have to think of something else now
2: <laughs> well, sorry about that well uh, we can if you want we can once we do John we can skip to Taylor and then come back to you now I'll be ready all right well John, what is your uh your hobby you'd like to blend with camping?
3: Well, I guess they kind of go hand-in-hand, hand, but stargazing or amateur astronomy would be kind of neat. Just to break out a telescope and take a look and see if you can find any planets or any point out any constellations. Maybe see some um, falling stars and things like that. That'd be kind of neat.
2: Yeah, no, I think that'd be really cool. The only thing with that is you'd have to be pretty particular about your planning for that because you'd have to ensure that you know there's not gonna be tons of cloud coverage but no i think that'd be Thank i think would be awesome you should uh between now and two weeks from now purchase whatever you need to do that and hopefully the, the sky will be clear <laughs> enough to maybe do some of that in yeah
3: uh let me get right on that i'll purchase a super nice telescope totally
2: hey
0: man it's 2020 You
2: amazon it you'll get it two days from now
0: <laughs> i would like to bring a telescope if we can because we're gonna be right I we've talked about it, but where Saturn and Jupiter are converging is happening while we're going to be camping. Yeah, night one,
4: right? What's that? That's the first night of camping, right?
0: Yeah, well, they're already very, very close. They've been close for weeks. They'll be close for weeks after, but the actual convergence happens where if you look at it with the naked eye, it might look like one planet. If you look with a regular standard telescope, they'll be so close, they'll be within... The view the, um, picture, site picture, mm. one site picture of each other, and has it hasn't happened for like 800 years. So, this would be a good time to to try that. We're going camping. There's some cool star stuff going on. Doesn't have to be a super nice one. 150, 200 bucks, and you're in.
2: Yeah, you might even be able to get, like, I know my dad the other night um, on the when there was a full moon, he took a spotting scope and was able to get a really good picture of the moon through that. So you can get those at Harbor Freight for like 50 bucks. Harbor Freight. We, we, we're not sponsored by them yet, but um, for camping,
4: <laughs> I like that you said yet.
3: That's- <laughs> that's a, that is an <laughs> that's, invite Harbor that's Freight. That's our and, ideal sponsor. It's Harbor Freight. <laughs> and our, well, that's uh, Robbie's ideal sponsor. Our
4: four listeners will uh, all be avid customers and, they they are us we i believe it's my turn for for hobbies go for it uh you you all you said kind of like your dream camping trip and honestly i would really like to take a uh, a like a primitive survival type camping weekend where maybe i do get to to bring like whatever you know whatever i want just in my backpack but like Try to make it as primitive as possible. Like I have to make my own shelter, find my own sustenance, that kind of stuff would be fun. But it's not really a hobby of mine. i survival is just a way of life. I don't know about you guys, uh, but <laughs> uh, you brought up guitar, and I was like, oh, that's actually kind of cool. I think it would be neat to try to record a song in, like, around a campfire. You know what I mean? Like set up, set up yeah. a microphone and record a rendition of a song in front of a campfire. I think it would sound really neat, especially if I, you know, if I was able to bring the good microphones out and, and try that, if I could get all that to work out in the middle of nowhere on just, with just a laptop battery or something. Uh, I think it would sound really neat. It'd, pre- it'd be kind of unique. You'd get the atmospherics. You'd probably get the fire. You probably hear the birds and the, the wind. It might be cool. It might turn out horribly and sound like crap, but.
2: So, no, I think that'd be awesome. And with that, <clears throat> with that, I know this this camping trip we're going on was kind of short notice for you, but I think uh, it would be cool to try and do an episode of this podcast around a campfire if we could all work out a time that all four of us could meet up at a centralized point and go do it. Kind of along that same line, because it would be neat. You know, one of my favorite sounds, um, really ever, uh, is the sound of a crackling fire. It's just like so relaxing. So if that was going on in the background of our podcast where we already probably sound kind of annoying,
4: that would be super cool. (laughs) Yeah, I think it would be hard to get right, but I think it would be fun to try. Definitely.
2: No, I agree. Um, Well, do you want to add anything to that or do you want to hand it on over to Mr. Taylor? Take it away,
0: Taylor. Yeah, I'm actually really excited to try to do mountain biking on this next uh, camping trip because we're going in a pickup truck. So I'm going to bring my mountain bike and if we're driving around and we're going downhill, I'm just going to hop out and hop on the bike. So that'll be fun. I don't really play guitar. So, I mean, I have a guitar, but I don't play it well. So that one doesn't really work for me, but I have done some hunting, but I'm not like a hunter. So I would probably enjoy that astronomy. I think definitely that would be a lot of fun to do if you have it planned out well, but to me, like, Camping is a hobby for me, like camp craft stuff. Yeah. Which I don't think I rounded out my joke earlier about. I told my wife, I was like, oh, we're, I'm going to try to do some camp craft stuff. And she goes, oh, you're going to do camp crafts. You should try to get a piece of wood and figure out how to do the burning. You know, we like burn letters into it. I was like, whoa, 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 babe, I'm not talking about arts and crafts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about like the skill of being, like, the skills and crafts of being inside of a camp. Just like, oh, we well, should have said that. <laughs> like, I you were, like, but you, know, like, you know what we could membership. totally do,
4: though? Oh, good. I was going to say, like, outdoorsmanship skill craft? Like, how would you describe that?
0: Uh, that's a good That's a good way to say it. Yeah, the, the, the skills and crafts of, of camping. I just like doing that stuff. I like knowing the right knot to use. I don't know a lot of knots, but I like learning new ones. The... Putting a, like a tarp up correctly, or having a neat way of building a fire—I enjoy yeah. this. I, I like to challenge myself while I'm camping
4: too. Yeah, and putting like p- peanut butter and bird seeds on a pine cone. <laughs> <laughs> what? Camp crafts. Said
0: peanut butter and bird seeds on
3: a,
4: sounds on a pine disgusting. cone.
0: Why would you eat that?
4: Oh no, not so for you. It's for the birds and for the squirrels. You.
3: You've never done Come that, Taylor? On, and, do you, and you call uh, yourself man. an
4: expert camper. I'm disappointed. I thought you liked it's, camp crafts. For real. So like, speaking of
2: like speaking butter. of camp crafts, uh, for your wife and her request for a ideal uh, camp craft, um, we should totally bring – I have a wood-burning pen. Um, <laughs> we should bring that out there, and you should go ahead and do something funny for it because I've got a little uh, wall outlet in my truck. Um, you can use that to go ahead and make her like a – Campcraft, like what she's talking about, and just totally make up a story about you figured it out. You learned. We can how make to... a
0: we can make a little video where we're like like have like hot sticks, we're like rubbing it on there to start the thing, and then just fast forward to having this like beautiful picture done with a burning
1: bin. Well, and you're <laughs> gonna have
4: a chainsaw so you could cut like slivers of uh, of logs, and oh use God, those as like a plaque. Make it like, right. make your wife like a commemorative plaque or something for your camp crafts.
2: <laughs> But then, but then, and I mean, we're assuming our wives will never listen to this, but um, we'll just never tell them. It's not a lie. It's just not telling them that uh, <laughs> we used a wood-burning pen from Harbor Freight.
3: We'll just edit this part out.
0: <laughs> what's that what's terrible quote from The Office where when Michael Scott's trying to date two women at the same time? Dwight's like, Michael said we must deceive them to protect them, and in that way – we honor them.
3: <laughs> so you know, so I'm, I'm not married, but this seems like a terrible idea. I'm just throwing that out there. No, it'll be all right. <laughs> Your intuition um,
0: is
2: keen. So the, uh, the office quote led me to, I was going to try and interject into Chris's thing, but I didn't want to cut him off. So, um, I'm picturing when he was talking about a primitive camp, I'm thinking of the episode with Michael where he goes <laughs> out and is like cutting yes. his hand legs yes. off and stuff like yes. that. And he has like a knife. It's, and it's a been camera.
4: an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: No, but I have hemorrhoids. <laughs> <laughs> but.
2: All right. Um, well, the last thing I was going to ask you guys was best camping food. And we already kind of hit on that. So I guess, do you all have any like closing thoughts when it comes to camping as we close this thing
4: out? Or are we going to just call it quits? Taylor? I think you and I were talking the other day and I think it came up, uh, to encourage people to just get out and do it. You remember what you were talking about? Just do it.
2: Well, we were the, talking about that in the last episode about yeah, traveling, the last right? episode
0: for traveling. That's that was. Oh the, yeah, that was the, the my 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 parting shot, and I,
4: it goes for camping as something. well. I, I guess I don't know if we were talking about camping specifically uh, at that point, but yeah, just get out there and do it. You don't need the super expensive tent, like Robbie mentioned, you, you don't need all this fancy gear. Just get out in the backyard and sleep under the stars. If that's what you want. Like you don't technically, you don't need a sleeping bag. You don't need a tent. Uh, the the more you have just more comfortable you're going to be, but, uh, you're going to have an experience either way and get out and try it.
2: Yeah. And, and on that point, I would highly recommend, um, those of you with children to try and get your kids into it too. Um, I will say, I ha- I took my daughter camping when she, like, right after... Either right after, or I guess it would have been right before she turned three. And it was, I mean, it was freezing. It was, like, literally 32 degrees at night. And I thought she was going to be miserable. That is, like, I think one of her favorite memories up to this point in her life. Because she talks about it all the time. I bought her, like, a little frozen sleeping bag. And she still sleeps in it every night on the floor. I don't know if that's because of camping, but she just wants to sleep on the floor. Um, but, anyways, she... You know they love camping. It kind of instills that, like what Taylor and everybody else have been mentioning. Just you know the responsibilities of what you need to do at a campsite. I I think it's a good learning lesson for kids, and also they're just going to straight up love it. So do it to Chris's point, and then also if you got if you've got kids or family members that you want to like you know loop them in on, we can tell you at least Taylor and I can from experience, solo camping is not that much fun.
4: (laughs) I had a solo camping story too, but I'll I'll save that for another time, Rob. To to go back to what you said and what I was alluding to, go to the go to your backyard, get a cheap tent from Walmart, go to your backyard if you have an air mattress, blow up the air mattress inside the tent, grab a bunch of blankets from inside, and just try it out you know it's it's just sleeping in your backyard even is is fun, and then it'll get you hooked and then you'll try to go find campsites near you to go try it out uh, farther from home
0: yeah there's a ton to learn there's always more skills and Tips and tricks. There's a ton of information out there on the internet where you could easily get overwhelmed, but you could probably find a couple YouTube videos or something like five things to know for your first time camping or something like that. Maybe we should make that video. Uh, Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, it's going to have wood burning. Yeah, The, the the basic stuff. Have a plan to keep dry, keep warm, feed yourself, and a first aid kit's a good idea so that if you do cut your finger open with a pocket knife, it doesn't end the trip. You know, just bandage it up, keep it clean, and have a Super safety net. Super glued together. Plan. Super glued together. And it is good to have a safety net plan. Make sure somebody knows where you're at, especially if you're solo camping, you know.
4: Yeah. Well, and, even, and even, even when I've done stuff, re- I guess it hasn't, I haven't done too much recently, but like Taylor, I'm sure, it will back me up on this. Like I've texted Taylor sometimes when I'm going out to do something. I'm like, hey man, I'm, I'm. I I remember in Virginia, I would text you occasionally. Hey man, I'm going out, uh, to the trail. I'm gonna be camping for a couple nights. Yep. Just so he knew, so somebody knew where I was, right?
1: Yep.
2: Yeah, it's actually that is something you most people learn. It's like taught in like hunter safety courses and stuff too. It's like something a lot of people don't really think about, but it really is a you know obviously a good idea. Um, make sure just for. For your, like you guys are saying, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but yeah, make sure someone's tracking where you're at. That way
4: you don't just get left out there. If you do want um, to beat be a dead horse, you should try Red Dead Redemption.
2: Red <laughs> Dead Redemption, make sure you have plenty of Coors Light. Uh, if you're driving a vehicle on some hairy roads, make sure you have some method of uh, self-recovery, which I do not have, and Taylor and I are trying to figure out right now. Um, hey, I
3: knew a great place that might have a thing that you could buy for recovering vehicles. That's a good point.
2: Um, Back to our sponsors at Harbor Freight. They do (laughs) sell. (laughs) Our soon-to-be sponsors, excuse me. They do sell uh, winches, uh, but we're going to go even more primitive than that, and uh, hopefully we don't get stuck, Lord willing, but uh, we're going to probably just use like a ratchet strap or something. (laughs) We'll figure it out. Yep, yep. John will push the truck, even though it's going to
3: be a ton.
2: (laughs) Or a half a ton, uh, (laughs) literally.
3: We'll play it by ear. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Play by
4: ear. You know, we did a pretty good job and didn't even have to mention our, our motorcycle camping back at the Talladega up until this point. Well, we've
2: already kind of hit on that too in previous episodes, just like with the oil draining out and everything. But, yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think that this is a good point to go ahead and close this whole thing out. Um, thank you for listening to us. And if you have any input on, uh, Um, you know, best practices or any other things you have, I'm sure we'd love to hear it and kind of see what other people's perspectives are um, seeing as how our experiences are generally more tied to the, uh, as we talk about all the time, the East Coast. I know, you know, Chris mentioned being out West and for some of his training and whatnot, but I always love seeing different perspectives on, on things like this. So, but uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see what we talk about next week when Chris is hosting. So thanks for listening in. You the outro.